to minute 108 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is Aaron Newworth, host of Out Now with Aaron and Abe, and a writer for We Live Inter- Entertainment. Welcome back, Aaron. Hey there. Glad to have walked back through the door a day later, ready to rumble. <laughs> All right. Minute 108 begins with three figures walking through the darkened barracks, or walking, approaching the darkened barracks, and goes until we see Danny looking away uneasy. We continue the scene that yesterday's episode ended on, where we see three mysterious figures walking through the compound. They open up the door, come into the into the barracks, and I love the way the shot is done, because when they open the door, you see pitch darkness inside the barracks. And then when they come into the barracks, you see that the lights are all on, but there is a blanket hanging on a clothesline that is able to, to, to keep everything you know, so dark. I mean, the, the, the detail of this movie is just amazing, the way that they do this. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's a good-looking good scene. I mean, I don't know what that really there. I mean, it's, you're right. <laughs> Alright, so then we have, uh, then we finally get to see who the, the, the three characters are, that the three silhouettes that we've seen beforehand. First of all, I love seeing the, the, the we get to see the same guard, you know, the stooge who's who's at the door, the, the, that's, uh, I always refer to him as pipe guy number one, you know, the, the, the slightly balding guy uh, with the pipe. His, his job is always holding, he's right next to the door, sometimes, you know, sometimes he's got the, the peephole that he looks through and sometimes he's, you know, giving signals around. I, I I like the fact that they continue using the same extras for for certain certain jobs within the camp, so that they're they're actually recognizable. You know, he might not have a real name; he never has any lines. But uh, at least for someone like me who's seen this movie so many times, he's he's recognizable. You know, he's the guy who's in charge of uh, watching the door, no matter what. It's good casting. No matter what the it's it's good casting choices as far as like how you make you know extras or you know featured players recurring characters like shine like that where it's it's something that a lot of people take for granted and that's why movies feel smaller these days because you have less of these kind of tertiary characters and everything's just like everyone everyone important handles things where no you make it more lived in by having you know just random people that don't necessarily have some kind of character assignment it's just more of like yeah he's there that's the guy that does this thing it it works it works in films like this favor as far as creating an atmosphere, making it all, you know, just feel bigger uh, as opposed to making it feel smaller, which I think a lot of modern films do feel smaller than today. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, part of the thing also is, is, you know, taking into consideration that there's supposed to be about six or 700 prisoners in this camp um, and to give us recognizable figures that Mm -hmm. are doing certain, I guess you could say menial or small jobs is just great because uh, as, as you said, on the one hand, you can see, that there's so many people involved in this whole escape. But on the other hand, you can still recognize the, the various characters along the way. You still exactly. get to see the key, key characters. So, you know, now we get to see who the, these three silhouettes were. And we get to see that it's Cavendish, Griffith, and Goff who are entering. Which, it's very... What, 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 what is fascinating to me is for someone who, who knows what's going to happen in the movie. Later on, the three of them are one after another... In, in the uh, you know on on the uh, in the roster or on the lineup however you want to refer to that you know because the three of them are the ones that are are, the, are going out 
at the same time, one after the other, from the tunnel. So it's it's nice to see beforehand. You know, each of them apparently has a number. They've they've given every one of the, the prisoners a number, one through two hundred and fifty. You know, this is your slot. Make sure that you come and show up at a certain time. You know, this is this is when you're going to be escaping and stuff like that. So again, it shows the organization of everything here. I mean, Haynes has his clipboard and he, he checks off the three of them. You know, he says the, the the three names. He says, "Okay, Cavendish, Griff, Goff. All right, you guys go over there." You know, like it's it's just so it's planned so well, and they they, they just do an amazing job of of keeping this in some sort of continuity with the fact that the, the, the three of them are, are bunched together here with the whole thing. I mean, in, in the real escape, what they did was is that they, they actually, there were certain people who got key, uh, key numbers because of, mm-hmm. of the jobs that they did in the, in, in the whole escape plan. There were others who were told that because they need to, <laughs> they, they need certain expertise for people in the future, so they, they refused to let them escape. You know, like they said, okay, we can't take everyone who knows how to dig because in the future there won't be anyone who dig out of the, the, you know, do the next escape attempt. You know, so they still needed to leave key people there. And then they, they basically did a raffle for most of the slots. Obviously, in this point, they're, they're showing us, you know, two key players of, of Big X plus, uh, I always laugh that Goff is basically the, the featured extra because he doesn't really have much to do here. <laughs> you know, he's the to- third third token American and, you know, he shows up quite often in a lot of different small roles along the way. Throws out a line here, throws out a line there. But he doesn't really, you know, he's, he's never really given any job within the Big X organization or anything like that. So it's just funny to see him that, that he's bunched in with, you know, the uh, surveyor and, and the, the tailor with the way that they do this. Now, did you, did you notice what type of luggage all three of them are, are carrying? What are they carrying? Okay, so no, so basically... I mean, Cavendish has this very strange package with him that looks like it's wrapped up, uh, you know, in wrapping paper. Uh huh. Which, yeah. which doesn't really make much sense because, you know, how is he supposed to get whatever he needs out of there? You know, uh, he must have, you know, his compass in there and his rations and whatever else he needs. Maybe, you know, a few Deutschmark or whatever money they, they were using at the time. It doesn't look like it's something that's very accessible for him to be taking it out. So it's just strange that we get a, a clear shot of what he's holding. Griff then is, is holding up the little briefcase and Goff has a knapsack. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's off. He's about to go hiking, you know. <laughs> and, and it actually looks like it's military issue also. It doesn't even look like he's trying to hide uh, what he's got in his rucksack. To each their own, I guess, as far as the plans, how these things, I don't know how these things are working for them as far as... Yeah. How they feel they can take this stuff away. I mean, you know, as we talked about, um, uh, Coburn has his, you know, giant briefcase with him all the time. So. Exactly. Whatever makes the most sense for them, I guess. I think it's also just to, to give us a little bit of diversity to show that, that, yeah, that, it's, that yeah, everyone obviously. has something different. You know, they're, they're, you know they're, they all have their own plans of how they're going to try and get out. You know, the idea is, okay, we're, we, we're going to help you to break out of the camp. Then you're on your own. Do whatever you need to do, however you want to do it. You know, we're not gonna we're not gonna interfere, and we're not gonna. Uh, I, I guess they might have given a little bit of advice here and there. You know, do what you need to do. Not that it really helps them all in 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 the long run, but that that's a separate issue. And then we get to see four more people running between you know on the outside of the of the compound, and this time they're actually running. 
you know, beforehand they were just walking briskly. These these four are are running. Yeah, they're not eight minutes early anymore. Now they're gonna <laughs> try to get That's the position. Also. <laughs> yeah. the, the time. Well, they haven't reached that eight minute yet because you know they're they're still waiting for that to happen. And you know, I love the fact that that you know they see them run across from behind one barracks to another one, and then we see the searchlight you know pan across. And then once it goes across, then we see them come out again and, and run to the door. And again, you can see the silhouettes. But but what I like that they did here is is that of the four, only two of them are, are people that we know. You know, they, they, they say Smith, Folds, and then, uh, you know, they start talking about Blythe and Henley. So I, I think part of the idea here is to show that, okay, it's not just everyone that we know who's getting out. Yeah. You know, it's, here we're going to throw in two guys, two extras. You know, okay, you guys are, are, are just guys that we're going to find a way to... So you'll you'll be part of the seventy six. Yeah. It's a it's a shorthand reminder for it's bigger than the five main stars of the film or what have you. Like exactly. if, you know, it's a good way to be like yeah the, you know there's a whole camp that we're trying to evacuate or just yeah. or get get to escape uh, from all of this. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I I like the way that they they do that. You know that they, again uh, I've I've mentioned this you know a few times this week and most and quite often throughout the entire podcast that that the you know Sturgis took the time to make sure that even in a, in a movie that's almost three hours long, to throw in little things here and there, just to add to the, to the feel and the, the realistic aspect of, of the whole thing, that we're not only talking about, you know, these specific, you know, lead actors. There, there, there are 76 men that are going to be escaping, and there's 250 that are potentially going to be escaping, you know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So let's just throw in a few extras, throw in a few names, you know, there's no uh, there's no harm in doing that because it just it adds to the to the whole atmosphere of the whole thing. Now, what I found interesting is the fact that that if they're they're supposedly coming into these barracks in the order that they're going to be escaping, so Blythe and Henley should should be there much earlier because they're one of the first to actually go. This is just nitpicking because of the fact that I you know you can see later on when 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 they're actually. Uh, going out. That's just how good the scrounger is. He can get anything he wants, including front of the line passes. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe maybe we they just didn't show us the fact that in a few seconds he's going to actually switch numbers with somebody. You know, this I one would, guy looks down his number and says, "Wait a second, I was number seven. How am I now number seventy-one? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be surprised. Where he uses Blythe is like my friend here is Blythe. We have to get him out first. He's handicapped. Like just like whatever means he needs to." Do. You hear them come over the, uh, you know, the comm system. You know, anyone, uh, you know, handicapped or anyone who needs assistance, you know, move to uh-huh. the front of the plane. <laughs> we're, 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 we're letting you board now. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that, that actually makes sense. I, I didn't even think about that. Now, <laughs> I love the fact that when they're, they're walking through the, 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 these barracks, so did, did you notice that, that Henley steers Blythe away yeah, from I getting, did. getting I, into I, I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> yes, I wrote that in my notes. He had to, he had to guide him a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, he's about to like hit the stove, which which is great. You know, it just like veers him off. By the way, James Garner, because we don't have. The, I think this is the only James Garner scene here. Is there one in tomorrow's episode? Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. I I don't. I seem to like only associate Garner with old, like when he's older. Uh, like I didn't watch. You know his, you know, because I guess because he's like more t- like a TV guy as well as an actor. So like I didn't, I just didn't watch those shows. I didn't watch Rockford Files or whatnot. So no, watching him here, well, Rockford Files is, is ten years after the ten plus years after this 
and Maverick. Yeah, but, he, but, he, yeah. but yeah, Maverick, yeah, Maverick is obviously the other thing. Um, but I just I didn't watch those shows very often, so I just I'm you know when I watch this or some of the other old like I don't I haven't seen much of Young Garner compared to when I've seen him you know and when he was older you know in different films. So watching him here, I'm just thinking. This is a handsome fella. Like that's the first time I see James Garner. I'm like, yeah, like Steve McQueen's a cool cat. This James Garner, he's like, Jesus, like seven foot two, <laughs> all just giant guy, big, you know, nice big chin on him and whatnot. It's like, ah, good for him. <laughs> he fits right in here. As amidst all these other people, it's like, and we have like strapping James Garner with us as well, paired with Donald Pleasance to like emphasize the fact that he's like the most handsome guy in camp. It seems like that's just kind of like the chem- my, my that's the- yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's the kind. That's the thought that kept coming to mind every time James Garner was on screen. It's like not only is he capable, but gee whiz, is this guy it's a fellow? Stands out in this crowd. I mean, uh, we discussed this uh, a few weeks ago when when he was first trying to to get stuff from Werner. You know, he walks uh-huh. into the room as if he's you know trying to to seduce him, basically. You know, Pretty way. much, and he, that's why you can see he's the scrounge. He's the guy that can get what he wants because he's a likable guy. Like, and he seems exactly. to know how to play. He knows how to play that very well. Yes. There's no question about that. He does a great job with it. But again, I, I like what Donald Pleasance does here also because you know he he's able to play a character who is supposedly blind. You know, just the fact that he needs to be veered away from the stove is great. You know, it's, it's, it's that little moment. Just just turn me a little bit. You know, to make it seem as if if you don't turn me, I'm just going to go right into that stove. And it and it's great. Um, uh, chemistry work and character work, as far as the two of them like forming a bond, as it as it is, as far as you know him caring enough about him, uh, Henley caring enough about about um Blythe. Blythe's character to you know just give that little moment of like you know put steering him a little bit away from something. It's it's stuff where you don't need to say it out loud. It's not like he has a line where it's like watch out for the stove. It's instead he's just doing the thing. Exactly. It's good. It's good show don't tell. Yeah, and and I mean this movie is great at show don't tell. There's no question about that. That, that. That's also one of the reasons why I chose this movie to, to do this for, because there's so much to talk about. There's so much going on, and you don't just have to have it in the dialogue. It's yeah. You know, even when you just look at the script, the script is so descriptive of of all these different things that are going on. Um, I don't remember if it mentions the fact that Henley is supposed to veer him away. That I don't recall. So that might have been something either they ad libbed. Or you know, in a later version of the script, they decided to add that in there. But it's great because mm-hmm. it, it it says so much about these two characters. Uh, as you mentioned, it, it shows their chemistry yeah. that they can work together, and that and that Henley is already looking out for him. You know, he's taking his his job now. When when he places him next to the uh, bed, mm-hmm. so Blythe already knows how to sit down. You you think that he would bump his head, you know, because <laughs> he doesn't say to him, "Okay, this is a bunk bed. Just sit down." He just puts him next to it, and he automatically sits down. There, there are a lot of places where where I would have expected the Blythe to, to to have gotten a lot of bumps and bruises, you know, throughout the movie with things that he does once he's apparently blind. That's fair to a point, but it's you know it's also a matter of balance. For one thing, it's a matter of balancing tone. Do you want Donald Pleasance, who, you know, yes, he has this disability at this point, but also. He's such a, you know, a nice person, like the way you, like, do you want to make him into a bumbling fool by having him constantly bumping his head or whatnot? You just and, I mean, a trooper. Yeah, really? <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he's also, you know, you, if you're in this, if you're in this kind of setting enough, you kind of get, you know, 
muscle memory as far as how to position yourself when sitting down on a bunk bed or whatnot. Like even if it's not, well, I think it's a bunk bed. I mean, you might be unable to see clearly, but you can. I think you can see a. You can register giant shapes in front of you to a point, right? Yeah, probably. No, I just. Yeah, I, think, I, I just think it's funny, you know, to to see that 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 he needs help to move him out of the way of a stove. But if you place him next to a bunk bed, he knows what direction he, he has to sit down. In. Fair. I, I just, I think about like that, that feels like me at night. If I get out of bed and it's dark, I'm not really, I'm not really, I'm not really thinking about where the bed is or whatnot. I, when I come, you know, when I like, you know, use the restroom or something, come back, I just kind of, you know, just know offhand. It's like, yeah, it's, sit down. <laughs> okay. But that, that's your room. You know where your bed is situated. This isn't his room, and his bed in his room is actually against the wall. And this is jutting out from the wall. So it's a little different. All right. Not, uh, again. He's, he's just used to bunks, or used to uh, used to uh, setups of yeah. this nature. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, could be. They, they both get an order, and then uh, we get another quick shot of uh, Steve McQueen, you know, continuing to, to dig out the dirt. You know, you have him with the shovel, uh, touching the ceiling, having a little dirt uh, fall down, and then quickly it... Uh, you know, we get to see Danny once again, who actually looks like he's about to faint. Which, again, shows how great of an actor Charles Bronson can be. I mean, we discussed this a little bit yesterday. The fact that he's able to show so much emotion at this point. You know, there's, there's parts of the movie where, where you see how strong of a character he is, both physically and emotionally. And then we have the emotional breakdown that we that would, that, 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 uh, you know, that we had, a, that we discussed, I think, about two weeks ago. And then here you have it culminating where you can really now see how nervous he's getting. And, you know, there's, there's, there's one point where if you look at it, it looks like he's just rolling his eyes and he's about to just, you know, either turn into a zombie or just completely fall over with what he's doing. So I, I just find that he just does such a great job in this role to show how, how scared he is. You know, he's about to pee his pants also, that type of thing, that mm-hmm. type of look on his face. All right, do you have anything else you wanted to discuss about this minute? No, we got we got exciting things tomorrow. So, uh, yes, we good. do. Yes, we do. So I, I guess that means you want to come back tomorrow. Yeah, let's do it. All right, great. Sounds great. So you want to once again tell people how they can get in touch with you, Aaron? Yeah, I write for multiple sites. I write movie reviews at We Live Entertainment, Blu-ray reviews at WhysTheBlue.com, and some interview stuff for Variety. I host a podcast out now with Aaron and Abe with my friend Abe. We talk about weekly movie releases, and I'm on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. All right, great. And while you're doing that, you can go rate, review, and subscribe on any podcatcher you might be using to listen to this show. You can visit our Facebook group, The Cooler. Our Twitter account is GreatEscapeMXM. Our website is TheGreatEscapeMinute.com. And our email address is TheGreatMinute at gmail.com. So, until tomorrow, tally-ho! Tally-ho! Tally-ho!